God. God is doing some incredible things at First Church. And, and it, I, I believe this. I say it all the time. I believe it in the depths of my heart. We are just seeing the tip of the iceberg of what it is that God wants to accomplish through this church in this community. You know, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't mention this morning, uh, right now as we worship, uh, all uh, across our district, children have gathered for children's camp. And many of you have uh, children that are there. Uh, they're over at Olivet right now. And our, church, our, ch- our district has 71 different churches in it. And of those 71 churches, we've sent 94 kids from those churches to our children's camp, which is fantastic. Uh, however, uh, 27 of those kids came from First Church. Thanks be to God. Praise be to God. 27 of the 94 from our churches, and our kids are being impacted in an incredible way. Simone and I stopped by yesterday. Pastor Leon and Terry are doing the messages, and and Debbie is highly involved. It's just an incredible ministry of what God is doing through our children. They are our leaders. Uh, They're not just our future leaders. They are our leaders because Jesus says that, that, that children will lead us, that if we have faith like a child, And we too will enter into and receive the kingdom of God. So thanks be to God. Thanks for your participation. Thank you for the way in which you are uh, allowing financially for kids to come and be a part of what God is doing. And we give thanks to God for it. Well, this morning we continue in the second week of our sermon series called Strongholds. If you would, everyone together, say it with me. Strongholds. Last week we started out looking at the fact that scripture tells us that we actually can break free from our sin. We found out some bad news, right? We're all guilty of sin and we're all powerless to do anything about it. But the good news is that we actually can be forgiven of our sin. And as Sharon said earlier, not only can we be forgiven, but we can actually be set free from our sin. That we don't have a God who saved us to leave us, that we have a God who saved us to sanctify us. He's called us to be holy, and he's called us to be free from the bondage of sin and death in our lives. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good news. That's really good news, that we're not stuck in the bondage of our sin any longer. So this week, we get to the heart of it, and we start with our strongholds uh, in our lives. Uh, This week, we're going to look at anger. Uh, Next week, we move to pride, and then we get in everyone's business, and we talk about money and greed. And then finally, we end with the best one yet, which is the stronghold of lust. And like I told you last week, if you don't want to be convicted, that's the order. Uh, Make plans to go on vacation or be with friends, uh, because that's where we're headed over the course of the next four weeks. Are you guys ready? You guys excited? It's going to be really, really good. See, the problem with these strongholds is not that they're necessarily the worst sins that we can commit, right? If I asked you to list some of the worst sins that you could think of, you would say things like murder, uh, rape, uh, adultery, child abuse, those sorts of things. But the reason that we're looking at these four and the reason they're considered strongholds in our life is not necessarily because they're the worst, It's because they're the most common. They're the most normal. They're the most acceptable. In some areas of society today, we even say it's okay because everybody's doing it. But our key verse for the series, if you're taking notes, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is what Paul says about strongholds. He says, beginning in verse 3, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not, say it out loud with me, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to do what? 
to demolish strongholds, to demolish strongholds. See, the world says uh, some sins are fine. Uh, some things are normal. That's just, that's just part of being human. You can't do anything about it. Uh, but what Scripture says is no, 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 no. That's not how it works. When it comes to sin, Scripture says we wage war. We demolish strongholds because we have a God who told us, be holy as I am holy. And he didn't just set the standard out there for us to find a way to do it. He sent us his Holy Spirit to sanctify us and make us like him. We have the hope of victory in our life. Our key thought for the series, if you're taking notes, goes like this. Fulfillment in every area of our life depends on freedom in every area of our life. Fulfillment in every area of your life, uh, financially, relationally, academically, spiritually, fulfillment in every area of your life does depend on you being free in every area of your life. And what I believe is that the Holy Spirit is going to break free in some incredible ways over the course of these next four weeks. And there's some people that are going to find freedom from bondage of sin and death and the chains that have held you back, and the Holy Spirit is going to break in an incredible way. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. The stronghold of anger. How many of you would say this morning that you are excited to start with the stronghold of anger? You're excited to start with the stronghold of anger. A lot of excitement. Thank you, John, in the back. Very good. How, how many of you would say, uh, I'm angry that we're starting with Anger. I don't want to be convicted today. Praise be to God. This message is for you. You've probably noticed this uh, by now about me, but I am not the world's most uh, patient uh, driver. Uh, so when I think about things that make me angry, every time I'm behind the wheel, my blood pressure spikes like 110%, right? It's just a horrible thing. And so uh, the reason is, it's, I'm not the problem. It's most of you guys that are the problem, right? So for instance, there's some of you in Jesus. Jesus loves you anyway, but, but, but there's some of you out there that you don't understand that the highway is divided into two lanes for a reason. There, there is a right lane that is for law-abiding Christians, people that, that follow the law. And then there is a left lane that people live not under the law, but under grace, people who, people who live free from the law, the left lane, that's for us, Right? And for those of us who are procrastinators and we're always late, right? How many of you have got stuck behind this lady in the left lane headed up north to I-57, right? <laughs> late for work, allow me to drive half the speed limit. Two lanes for a reason. There's also some of you that, that don't understand the, the function of stoplights. Uh, uh, the other day, uh, Lucas and I were talking about stoplights. And I said, Lucas, tell me what the colors mean. And he said, well, red is stop and green is go. And I said, well, what's yellow mean? He said, uh, go faster? <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. There are, there are some of you that you come up to a stoplight and, and it turns yellow and you think you're supposed to stop. What the yellow light means is caution. It's turning red. So go faster so you don't get stuck. That's how it works. So just keep going through that intersection. Praise be to God. Thanks be to Jesus. There's, there's still others of you, and I hate to say it, but there's still others of you that you haven't realized that Jesus has blessed your car with a really neat invention. Now, I have a newer car. It's only about 14 years old. So not all of your cars might have this. But, but my car actually has a little lever next to the steering wheel. And when you press it down or you press it up, uh, there's like a, a little thing in the back that, that, that blinks. 
And so how this thing works is that when you're driving down the road, if you intend to turn, you can actually let other people know. It's called a turn signal, right? So all you have to do, and if you, if you didn't come today, you don't know where yours is, we actually have a team prepared to meet with you after the service, right? And they'll go out one-on-one training, first impressions, they'll meet you, and they'll show you where that lever is. Left is, uh, left is down, right is up, is that right? I don't know, left is down, right is up. Thanks be to God, and your turn signal is a wonderful gift. People sometimes ask me, Pastor Andrew, how do I know if I have road rage? And uh, the way that I know is by uh, this illustration I uh, found online. Uh, it'll come up in just a minute. Praise be to God. It's thinking about it. There it is. Uh, this lady says, I'm just wondering, does anyone else get road rage from pushing a cart through Walmart? Or is it just me? All right. Thanks be to God. This sermon's for you guys. Thanks be to Jesus. What makes us angry? What makes us angry? See, the thing we have to realize is that anger in and of itself is not necessarily a sin, right? In fact, if you have your Bibles in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, here's what Paul says. He says, beginning in verse 26, he says, in your anger, do not what? Do not sin. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Uh, What that says to me is that there's actually two different types of anger. There's holy anger and there is sinful anger. Holy anger and sinful anger. You say, well, how do you know the difference? Well, I think the test is actually pretty simple, and it goes like this. Holy anger focuses on sin against God. Sinful anger focuses on sin against me. Holy anger focuses on sin against God. Sinful anger is consumed with sin against me. And there's some of you here this morning, you really, truly do have a holy anger. You see things around you. You you see social injustice, or or you see racism, or you see poverty, or you see children in our community who who are going to go to bed tonight without food in their stomach, or or you see foster children that have no parents and no one to advocate for them and no home to call their own. And you look at those situations and you say, somebody's got to do something about this. It might as well be me. And you know that your anger is holy because it moves you to holy action. It breaks your heart for the things that break the heart of God. Unfortunately, for most of us, holy anger isn't our issue, is it? For most of us, try as we might to justify it, we have a lot of anger, and most of it is a sinful type of anger. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul goes on. He says, "Do in your anger do not sin, And he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a what? A foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. The word foothold here literally means a a space or a place to live or or, or an opportunity. What, What Paul says is when you're angry, when you allow sinful anger to reside in your heart, you're actually giving the devil a space to live in your heart. You're actually giving him an opportunity to manipulate your thoughts and manipulate your feelings and manipulate the way that you treat other people. He says, in your anger, don't sin, because that kind of foothold is devastating to people around us. You say, well, how do I know if I'm angry? How do I know if I'm dealing with sinful anger? I think there's two types of people that deal with sinful anger. I think most all of us fall into one of these two types. If you're taking notes, the first is this. It's what we call the spewers. 
the spewers. You say, well, it's a spewer. It's pretty disgusting. It is, right? Intentionally so. A, a spewer is somebody who is angry and everybody else around them knows it, right? You're upset about something and everybody else around, it, around you is going to know about it. They're like a, like a volcano, right? They're erupting up out of nowhere and anybody in a 10-mile radius, they're feeling your burn, right? They've got, they've, got your, they've got the consequence, they're in your way, and you're going to tell them like it is. I love people that are spewers, they say, I'm just going to tell them like it is. I'm just going to tell them the truth. We don't need the love part. I'm just going to tell them the truth. I just tell them like it is, and that's how it's going to be. And some of us are spewers. Some of us explode. Some of us just say, I'm not keeping it in, so somebody else is going to deal with it, and that's just the way it's going to be. I wonder this morning how many of you might say, you know, that, that might be... That might be me. I might be a spewer. I might explode. I don't do a very good job of managing my emotions. Second, if you're taking notes, there's some of us that are spewers, but I think in the church there's even more of us that are what we call brewers. We're brewers. On the outside, we look great. Happy, good to see you, so glad you're in church today, so wonderful to be with you. But when it's the other way and you're behind their back, you actually tell people how you feel, right? Or things look really good on the outside, but on the inside you have this bitterness and you have this grudge and you have this anger that's welled up in your heart and it's damaging everything about you. It's literally eating you from the inside out. I, I don't know about you, but I have much more of a tendency to be a brewer than a spewer. I'll say all the right things, I'll do all the right things, but on the inside my heart will have enmity and anger towards others. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, Simone and I, even though we're both pastors, we're not perfect. We're pretty close, but we're not perfect. And uh, so sometimes we'll go to, go to bed, and, uh, and this is how Simone knows if I'm brewing, because when we go to sleep, we always sleep facing each other, right? So that's just kind of normal. We sleep facing, oh, love you. Let's pray together. That's very good. So when I get in bed and I face the opposite direction, guess what that means? I'm brewing about something. I'm upset about something. So my wife is so holy, and so she'll say things like, um, Andrew, um, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold in my bed. Okay? And I'll say things like, well, the sun's still up somewhere. The, the, sun, <laughs> the sun's still up in China, and Chinese Andrew is angry. He's still angry about what you did to me, right? And I'm not giving you the pleasure of seeing my face. You get the back tonight. You get a stick with the back tonight. That's what we do, right? We, we brew and we keep it in and day after day after day. It doesn't go away. It just festers and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And I wonder how many of you this morning might say, you know what, that's, that's probably me. I do a great job of containing it. No one else would know except maybe the people closest to me, but I've got some pretty deep anger build up in my heart. And you're a brewer, you're a spewer. So what do we do? The good news is that the Holy Spirit tells us we can actually break free. That our anger is not unavoidable, it's not just a part of being human, that God can actually set us free from anger. And what I want to do with you is unpack three ways that Scripture shows us, three steps to breaking free. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first is this. If you're going to get serious about breaking free from your anger, you have to be willing to acknowledge your anger. You've got to be willing to acknowledge your anger. You say, well, that's simple enough. I just raised my hand. I'm a brewer. I'm a spewer. Of course, I get angry. I've got road rage. No big deal, right? 
It's not exactly what we're talking about. When we acknowledge our anger, we don't just acknowledge the fact that we're angry. We don't just acknowledge the presence of anger. We acknowledge its power to destroy us. We acknowledge the devastating impact that it has on our lives. We acknowledge the way in which our spiritual enemy can use it to undermine and kill every meaningful relationship around us. We acknowledge our impact. If you look all the way back in Genesis chapter 4, there's a great example of this. Uh, Beginning in verse 6, many of you will be familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, right? Uh, Cain is jealous with Abel because God likes uh, Abel's sacrifice more than Cain's. And so Cain gets so angry that he ultimately ends up killing his brother out of jealousy. But right before he commits that act, right before he murders his brother, look what God says to Cain. I love how he says it. He says this, then the Lord said to Cain, he says, why are you angry? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is what? It's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must what? You must rule over it. It desires to have you, Cain, but you must rule over it. You can just imagine how this plays out. God goes up to Cain. He says, Cain, why are you so angry? And Cain, probably like most of us, says, I'm not angry. What do you mean I'm angry? Yeah, you kind of seem angry. You ever have this conversation with a spouse or with a friend? You kind of seem upset. I'm not angry. Well, yeah, I can tell you're kind of upset. No, I'm not angry. I'm not upset. And, and, and then you'll say things like, well, your nostrils are flaring, right? So I'm not, I can see that you're angry with me. No, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Or I'm just disappointed. Or I'm just sad. And we become thesaurus, right? And we have all these synonyms for the word anger because we don't want to admit the fact that we're angry. God goes up to Cain. He says, hey, why are you angry? Cain's like, ah, I'm not angry. And God says, yes, you are. And if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But sin anger, jealousy is crouching at your door, and it wants to have you, but you have to rule over it. Folks, this morning, this is pivotal to simply begin by acknowledging the fact that your anger is hurting you and the people around you, that it's not normal, it's not acceptable, it's not okay, that it's actually undermining these relationships, and that your anger, if left unchecked, if that foothold continues to take root, becomes a stronghold, and that stronghold ultimately devastates every aspect of your life. That's why Paul says you have to demolish strongholds. You have to begin by acknowledging your anger. What do we do? First, we acknowledge our anger. Second, if you're taking notes, we then have to reflect on the source. we got to reflect on the source. Uh, Look what James says in, in chapter 1, verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then help me out now, and slow to become angry. He says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why does he say that? He says, because you got to take time to reflect you got to take time to, to actually pull back and figure out why you're responding the way you are. Why are you frustrated? Why are you upset? Why are you angry? Because let me tell you a truth that so often happens. It says so often when we stop and we reflect on our anger, we realize that the source of our anger is not the target of our anger. The thing that's actually making us angry is usually not the thing that we're taking it out on. I don't know how this plays out for you. Uh, Maybe for you, you just have a horrible day at work, 
and your boss and your coworkers, everybody's getting under your skin. So what do you do? You go home and you take it out on your husband or your wife or take it out on the kids. Uh, maybe for you, 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 you and your spouse just have this massive blow up. So you get behind the wheel of a car and road rage kicks in, right? And you're taking it out on the driver in front of you. Even though they had nothing to do with it, they're getting the brunt of your anger, right? Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's finances, and bills are adding up, and, and, and things are getting tight. And rather than trying to find a, a resolution, it's just easier for you to get angry at your spouse. Well, if you didn't go out so much with your friends, if you didn't shop on Amazon so much, we never have that argument. If you didn't do that, right? If you didn't have that problem, then, 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 then we would be fine. It's easier to get angry than it is to deal with the issue. Uh, for me, uh, I'm convinced that Jesus has uh, given me uh, customer service representatives on the phone uh, as a gift from God. Um, uh, they truly are a gift to me because God uses them in my life periodically to help me know whether or not I've got anger in my heart. Amen? Anybody with me? So uh, you know how this goes. You'll, you'll call the customer service, utilities, credit card, whatever. You call them and you get this electronic uh, menu and it's got 99 options and you want nothing to do with it. So maybe I'm alone, but I just start screaming customer service, right? Into the customer service, customer service, right? If that doesn't work, you're punching zero a hundred times, right? And just get me an operator, get me somebody to talk to. Then finally somebody, a real human comes on the line and what do we do? We don't even treat them like humans. Well, your card isn't working or your product isn't, isn't doing what you said you do or, or your people didn't show up. And, and, and they're trained to be so nice. So they're such easy targets. It's awesome, right? And so you're just laying it into them, right? And I want to talk to a supervisor and I want to talk to somebody that knows what they're doing around there. And, and, and my favorite part is right after I've unleashed double-barreled shotgun on these people, right? My favorite part is this. They'll say something like, uh, sir, so great to talk to you today. Um, uh, before I transfer you, could I get a little information to update our account? Um, uh, 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 what's your occupation? Uh, <coughs> uh, <coughs> pastor. No, I'm sorry, sir. I couldn't, I couldn't make that out. Uh, <coughs> I'm, a, I'm a pastor. Oh, yeah, uh, never would have guessed. You're a pastor. That's wonderful. <laughs> wh 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 where do you pastor? Uh, <coughs> Baptist. The Baptist. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely the Baptist church, right? Definitely that nice Baptist church up the road, right? <laughs> what happens in our lives, right? The target of our anger is usually not the source of our anger. We're angry about something, or we're angry about something that happened to us, but often the people or the things that we're taking it out on have nothing to do with our problem. They just happen to be in our way, or they just happen to be safe. And what, G, and what James says, he says, hey, be quick to listen and slow to anger. Figure out what's causing the problem. Reflect on the source. How do we break free? Number one, we acknowledge our anger. Number two, we reflect on the source. And third, and this is most importantly, don't miss this. This is the key to the whole sermon. Don't miss this. Paul says, our, our scripture says this. We've got to release the right. We've got to release the right. Acknowledge our anger reflect on the source, and then release our rights. Here's what Proverbs says. I love this verse in, in chapter 19, verse 11. He says this, a man's wisdom gives him what? It gives him patience. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. A man's wisdom gives him, gives him patience, and it's to his glory to overlook an offense. And I want to pause here for a moment because I really believe that the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts right now. 
Because there's some of us here today that even just reflecting on the source of your anger is almost too much to bear. You think about the, the, the thing that hurt you or the thing that, that injured you or the thing that damaged your heart and you can't bear to think about it any longer. Uh, the friend who, who betrayed, who, who, who should have stayed loyal but, but didn't. A, a, a parent, a parents who should have stayed married but wouldn't. A dad who should have been present but wasn't. A, a mom who could have been patient but wouldn't. A spouse that could have been faithful but didn't. Death or disease that could have waited, but wouldn't. And you think to yourself about the things that make you truly angry, the source of your anger, and you say to yourself, you know what, Andrew, I have the right. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to be angry with that person, or I have the right to be angry with the church, or I have the right to be angry with God. That, that friend who betrayed me, that, that dad who abandoned me, that spouse that left me, that adult that abused me, I have the right to be angry. And this morning, I think what I would say to you is this. You're probably right. You've got the right to be angry. The thing that they took from you, the damage that they've caused against you, the hurt that they've inflicted upon you, you have the right to be angry. But the real question is this. Is your anger right? Is your anger right? It's not whether or not you have the right to be angry. The question is, is your anger right? Because holy anger focuses on sin against God. But sinful anger focuses on sin against me. Is your anger right? Is your anger right? Because I think what the Holy Spirit would come and say to us this morning is this. Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to release your rights? Are you willing to let go of that grudge? Are you willing to let go of that bitterness? Are you willing to, to forgive that person who so desperately hurt you? Are you willing to break free? Are you willing to release your rights? Because the truth is this morning, the Holy Spirit never asks us to do what our Heavenly Father didn't first do for us. Our Heavenly Father of all people, of all things, had the right to be angry. It was our sin that destroyed his creation. It was our sin that caused him to send his son. It's our sin that because of our sin, his son died on a cross, suffered a brutal, torturous death. It was our sin. It was me and you. We did that to him. And if anybody has the right to be angry, it's our heavenly father who had the right to be angry with us. But guess what? Scripture said he released the right. He gave it up. He released the right. In fact, what we learned last week is that he does not treat us as our sins deserve. But what's he do? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. He has released the right to hold our sins over our head. He's released the right to, to, to judge us for our sins. He's released the right that every time he looks at me and you to see us for our sins, and instead he sees us pure and holy, washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, what I'm here to tell you this morning is that if the Heavenly Father could give up His Son to release His rights, then would you be willing to give up your anger to release yours? Would you be willing to give up your anger to release yours? Because the heart of the matter is this. Jesus says it clearly in Matthew chapter 6. He says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, then neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your sins. What Jesus says is this anger thing, it's actually an eternal issue. It's actually an eternal issue. Eternity hangs in the balance of our decision if our anger is residing in our hearts. So this morning, what I want you to hear me say is that when we forgive someone, it doesn't make what they did to us okay. If you're in a situation where someone is hurting you or abusing you or continue to take advantage of you, that's not okay. When we forgive them, it doesn't allow them to do whatever they want to us. Forgiveness means that the pain of my past no longer controls my present. The pain that they've inflicted on me in the past no longer controls my present because I've released the right. I've released the anger. I've given up the space. I've given up the foothold. Satan no longer has the ability to influence me with the pain and the anger of my past because I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come and I have been set free. It's why Paul says today, he says, hey, we've got divine power to demolish strongholds. And there's some of you this morning that are right on the cusp of freedom and fulfillment in every area of your life depends on freedom in every area of your life. Will you release your rights? Will you let the Holy Spirit set you free? Jesus, we come to you today asking that you would work in an incredible way in our hearts and our minds. All we want is freedom. All we want is to be free. Come and work in our lives today. You know, uh, this morning, I'm going to close a little bit different way. Um, we're going to sing a song that we sang uh, earlier, um, I Want to Be More Like You. And this morning, the invitation is simple. I'm going to open up the altars. I'm going to ask you this. Will you release your right? Will you release your right? If you're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to bring freedom to your heart and to your life today, I invite you to come forward as the worship team sings, to lay it on the altar, to let it go forever. Release your right. It really is an eternal issue. If you forgive men when they sin against you, you'll get forgiven. But if you don't, then the Heavenly Father can't because, he, because we say in the prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. Today, the Holy Spirit's working in hearts. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to set some people free. As the worship team comes and sings, would you release your right? Come to the altar and meet with the Spirit today.